as they're leaving so quietly. Uh, <laughs> just sneaking out, it's beautiful. Uh, I was thinking about this this morning and I was thinking about, you know, that some of the kids, it's last time for a while and, and they're moving into dorms this week and the next few weeks. And, uh, <clears throat> and then I was watching this morning as my buddy Jeff Posey was uh, walking through the lobby before the nine o'clock service with his notes for the children's class. And I was thinking, you know, one of the great things, one of the things I'm so grateful here is that there every week there are people who are spending time preparing uh, to share the gospel with your kids, uh, to teach them about Christ, uh, to encourage them to pour into their lives. And and what a gift it is to know that there are some adults who uh, care enough, feel your kids are valuable enough that they would take their time uh, for free and pour into your kids' lives. Um, and uh, we're, we're really blessed by just some amazing people that do that uh, week in and week out and really grateful for that. And it was a reminder to me again that how important it is for us to be pouring into the lives of other people and, and how important it is at the same time for other people to be pouring into our lives, that we need that, that we're built for that, that we're built for pouring into people's lives and we're also built for other people to be pouring into our lives and that that's, a, that's an important part of how we're made and what keeps us healthy and, and what we need to be about. And, and when, when that's not going on in our lives, then there, there's some challenges that happen uh, as a result. Last week, we talked about this whole idea of community, uh, how there's a tendency in our lives to leak. Uh, to, to leak out character, to leak, leak out things that matter in our lives, that there's rarely a blow up in our lives, but there's often this small leak and then all of a sudden we're in, you know, in crisis mode and we don't know how we got there. We're not quite sure what happened. It's, it's sort of like your car and your tire's a little bit low and you think, it's a slow leak, I'm good, I'm just gonna fill it up with air and I can go you know, another thousand miles before I need to worry about it and so it gets a little bit lower again and you just fill it up with air and kinda keep going and it's a pain in the neck to, to go get something done so I'm just gonna keep filling up with air and go until, and it's really fine until you, you're late for work one morning and you run out to the garage and you jump in your car and you have a flat tire and now that annoyance becomes a crisis because now what are you going to do? You've got you to fix this tire. You're already running late. Uh, you're going to be, you know, it's going to look bad at work or you're going to be in trouble. And, all, and, and, and you go from something that was an annoyance that, that just sort of happened to all of a sudden it becomes a crisis. And that's what happens in our lives so often that, that we have these slow leaks in our lives that, that at one point just seem like an annoyance. But if we don't do something, if we don't watch it, all of a sudden it becomes a crisis in our lives. That's what we want to talk about this morning, but I want to change the metaphor a little bit. And and this morning, I want to talk about how we have a tendency to drift. You know, there's no such thing as status quo in the Christian faith, that you're either growing or you're going backward. That it's like we find ourselves in this river and, and you, can't just, you can't just stay in one place, but you're either, you're either just sort of floating away with the current or you're swimming upstream, getting someplace, but there's no such thing as staying in one place. What happens is that we all drift. We, we just simply drift. Uh, that 
that we, we find ourselves in these situations where I don't, I didn't intend to do this, and I don't know exactly how it happened, but I, I, I just woke up one morning and I was in a place that I, I don't know how I got there, and I, I don't know what happened to me, but it just, it just did. Or how, how about this? I don't know if any of you have ever done this, but I have found myself driving, say, from church to my home, and I turn on my street, and suddenly I think, I have no idea how I got here. I driven this so many times that I just went on autopilot. My mind was a thousand miles away, and all of a sudden I turn on my street and I realize, wow, I don't know how I did that. I don't know how I got here. And to make it worse for me, I have this North Bible Church sticker on the back window of my car, and I just immediately think, who did I offend on my way to home today, you know? And that's bad for the church, you know? And I, but I just don't remember. My mind has drifted someplace, and all of a sudden I find myself at home. But, you know, um, you could also, I used to live in Los Angeles, and you, you know, you could find yourself in New Mexico or some, you know, Mexico or someplace if you, Take, if you're drifting and you're not paying attention where you're going, uh, and all of a sudden what was just a little drift becomes a disaster because you've missed your exit and now you know you got to go to San Diego before you can turn around and it's a disaster. But we drift. And the, the challenge of drifting is that we drift. Uh, and it's annoyance at first, it's just something that happens, we all do it, but then we find ourselves, if we, don't, if we don't pay attention, if we don't do something, we find ourselves so far from where we ever thought that we would go. And, and, and part of this for us is that we naturally drift away from everything that's healthy in our lives. That, that there's, a, there's a temptation, or there's a, just sort of a natural drift in our lives from, from everything that's good for us, you know? So, so you try a diet and exercise, right? And, and, and you, you, you decide you're gonna do it, and the next thing you know, you're not thinking about it, and you've just drifted away from that discipline. We, we, we find ourselves with good intentions about church or about following Christ, and then we find ourselves drifting away, and we're not sure when it happened, we're not sure how it started, but all of a sudden we're so far away from where we thought we would be. We've drifted, and we didn't even realize it. We rarely drift in a good direction. If it's good for us, we tend to drift away from it. We drift away from relationships, from healthy habits, all those things that we talked about. The current of life rarely takes us in, in the right direction. But there's, if there's a silver lining, if there's one good news in this, is that we, we don't drift alone, that we're in this together. Uh, and it's not something that's new. It's not a new thing for us. And I don't know if that's good news for you, but forever this has been the tendency that people have. And, and so we're going to look at a, at a passage in the book of Hebrews this morning. And, and the book of Hebrews was written to the to Jews who were living, at, Christian Jews who were living in Rome. And, and they're being reminded at one point in this letter that not to be like the Israelites who were freed from Egypt and came out of bondage and were led into into the wilderness were promised the, the promised land and at one point they're out in the wilderness and they start to drift away from God and they, they start to get, become fearful and then they start to get worried and, and they start to complain and they actually say at one point, you know what, it was better for us in slavery, at least we had food on the table, at least we had shelter over us, at least we, we knew who we were, we knew where we were going, we were slaves, but yeah, but now we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen next. 
and they began to drift away from God and, and, and the writer of Hebrews warns them to be careful. And here's, here's what he says to us this morning. In Hebrews, the third chapter in the 12th verse, he says this, take care, brothers, uh, and that word brothers is, a, is a siblings, it's brother, you can translate it brothers and sisters, so he's talking to all of us. He says, take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be any uh, of, of you and lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Man, a pretty strong verse here. Uh, Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you away uh, to fall away from the living God. So here's the first thing that he says. He says, I want to get your attention. Uh, I want you all looking at this. I want you all paying attention. I want you to take care. And, and the, the idea, this idea of take in the, the Greek is a pretty strong word. It means to get both hands around something and hold on to it. I want you to take this. I want you to grip it. I want you to hold on to it. I, I want you to pay this. And then I want you to care about it. I want you to think about this. I want this to be in the front of your mind. I want you to get a hold of this idea and not let go of it. Take care. Brothers and sisters, all of us in this together, all of this doing all of us doing this together lest unless there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away you know it's really interesting because the writers recognizing a capacity in all of us to fall away, a tendency to drift away from God. And so he's going at it head on. And we know uh, what is true and we know what's right, but we've drifted away. And he says, eventually it's gonna catch up with us. And the solution to our drifting starts in verse 12, where he says, take care, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God. And he uses three pictures for us. He uses three words. The the first one is sinful or evil. Uh, But this idea, he says, be reminded. Be reminded that in us, there's a tendency to drift. There's There's still sin that, that creeps out in our lives. There's still sin that tries to get a hold of us. There's still sin in our lives there that, that tries to get us away. And he says, I want you to watch out. I want you to take care. I want you to be aware of that sinful part of us because it leads to something even worse. It leads to an unbelieving heart, uh, which then leads to following away from God. And there's this journey, there's this process. Uh, and we used to t- talk about it like this to our kids. Uh, so, so a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character, and sow a character, reap a destiny. Did you get that? Sow a thought, reap an act. He says, take care, brothers and sisters, of what you're thinking about. Take care how you, th- how you consider your thoughts. Because when we sow a thought, we reap an act, and when we sow that act, we reap a habit, and it continues on, and all the writer of Hebrews is saying is that what that leads to is an unbelieving heart and eventually someone who falls away. That's what I want you to be careful about. That's what I want you to take care of. That's the, that's the, the place that we find ourselves so often. That's what drifting does to us. 
It, it, it takes us on this backward journey. It drifts us away until we, we wake up one morning and we think, I didn't intend to be here. I didn't intend to go this way. How did, I, how did I get here? And the writer is saying, I want you to be aware of that. I want you to know that this happens. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about how the thoughts that you're sowing, the acts that you're sowing, the habits that are growing out. And, and then he says this in Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, I love this word exhort. It's a great Bible word, right? And some, sometimes guys want to translate it, um, encourage one another, which is kind of a nicer word than exhort. Exhort, you kind of, okay, what is that? Encourage, I kind of get encouraged, but encourage isn't quite strong enough. The, the reason it's translated exhort is because it's a strong word. And what it means is that we're to appeal to one another, we're to urge one another. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, but encourage, appeal to, urge, as strongly as you can, implore each other, entreat each other every day. That, that he is saying, as a group, here's how I want you to live. I want you to challenge each other. I want you to encourage each other. I want you to implore each other every single day on a regular basis, uh, regularly, often, on a reg as much as you possibly can. I want you to encourage each other, challenge each other, appeal to each other, urge each other strongly. And he says, as long as it's called today. And, and I love that because he's saying to us, I want, you to, I want you to start today. You know, tomorrow's only good in the Broadway show Annie. Yeah? Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. It doesn't work in our life in Christ. It doesn't work in our real life. What he's saying to us is I want you to start today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't put it off to next week. Don't say, I'll get to it. Uh, don't make it a, a to-do on your to-do list uh, for down the road that you can keep pushing off. He says, I want you to do this today. I want you to implore each other. I want you to encourage each other. I, and I want you to start it today because that's how important it is. That's how valuable it is. That's how central it is to your life and, and to your health. And he says that, and, and, and here's what we know is that's not naturally just going to happen when we come to church. Now, I really appreciate you being here. It's a really good thing. But we kind of, we often, we sort of know how to do church. And we, we, we know church stuff and singing and how to say hello to everybody and how to act behave well and, and, and we know how to live in rows, but what this is challenging us to do is how do we live in circles? How, how do we live face to face? How do we encourage each other? How are we gonna challenge each other? How are we gonna appeal to each other and, and into our lives? And, and so he's saying, I, you need to be face to face to do what I'm telling you to do. You need to be face to face to, to help each other avoid the drift in our lives. He says, the only way that someone is going to know about your sinful, unbelieving, drifting heart is if we give them permission to get into our stuff. He says, I want you to encourage one another. This is what we call all skate. We all get in the rink together. And whether you're really good or not really good, we're all in this together. 
and we're going to keep each other going. We're going to serve each other. We're going to care for each other. And if someone falls, there's always someone there to pick them back up. We do this together. That's how God intended for us to do it. But we have to give people access to our lives. And it's not going to happen unless we're building those kind of relationships. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to know I want somebody to know what's going on in your life. I want you to know what's going on. I want you to be in each other's lives in such a way that when something starts to go wrong, someone starts to drift, that you'll notice it. Do you have people in your life that if you started to drift, let's say it this way, when you start to drift, that there are people in your life that would notice that, that they would notice that and they would be able to say something to you, that they would be able to urge you, to appeal to you, to encourage you, to help you up, but they would notice, they would notice that. Think about this for a second. Uh, who do you know, maybe it's you, that, that if, if somebody had been pouring into your parents, your life would be completely different today? Or, or who do you know, if somebody had been pouring into their parents, their family, their life somewhere, that your life would be completely different today. But some of the pain that you experience, some of the hurt that you have in your life is, is a result of the fact that there was never anybody pouring into the people who poured into you, who gave their life, who came before you. And now you live with some of that. What would it have been like if somebody had been pouring into their lives? We need to pour into other people's lives but we need to have people who are pouring into our lives as well. So we're called to exhort each other, to encourage each other. The, the verse is really saying this, that I want you to be in each other's life. I want you to get into each other's stuff. I want you to be, know them well enough that if you see somebody drifting, you can say something. You can intervene, you can encourage them, you can be part of that. So how, how do we do this? The first thing that the scripture tells us is that we're to do it daily, that we're to do it regularly. So that means there's got to be an environment, there's got to be a place where, where this can happen on an ongoing basis. It's an ongoing commitment, it's a friendship, a trust, it's encouraging one another. And in the Greek, the, the next words form what amounts to a purpose statement in this passage. It says that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Because what happens in our lives is we find ourselves, we, and you've seen this, I'm sure, in, in people, that, that it's gone on now, the drift has gone so far uh, that people's hearts become hardened, uh, that that deceitfulness of sin gets a, 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 gets a foothold in their lives, and all of a the sudden they just fall away, that their hearts are so hardened that, they, that, you, that when, when confronted with what's going on in their lives, they just say, why don't we all just get over this? Can't we just move on? I don't want to do anything about it. Why are you guys judging me? Have you ever heard that one? I get that occasionally. I say, well, I'm not the one actually that did that. You did it. I'm just challenging you on it. But when our hearts get hardened, we don't want to hear the truth anymore. We don't want to be challenged anymore. We don't want somebody appealing to us and calling us. And, and what he's saying is don't let it get there in your life. When you see the drift, stop. How do you stop it? What do you do? And he says it only is going to happen if we're living in community. It's only going to happen if people are seeing our lives, if people are investing in us, pouring into us, and we're pouring into them. Then there's a shot at the drift being called on us. Then there's a shot at, at, at living a life that's, that has confession and repentance, and we don't 
end up with hearts that are hardened. Because it leads us someplace that we don't want to go. Um, Sin deceives us, and we can talk ourselves into dumb things. And you know where it happens a lot is when you're driving. Have you ever had this experience? You're driving, and you're just kind of with yourself, and you're thinking, and, and all of a sudden things like, you know what, I've earned this. I deserve this. Uh, how about, I don't need this anymore. And um, I'm just going to take a break. I, I deserve a break. I've been going at it really hard. And we, we th- we're thinking all of these things. And, and we find ourselves, before we realize that we're drifting away. And, and all of a sudden, it's about uh, what I don't need and what, uh, or what was, is going to make me feel better or what somebody's done to us. And, and our mind has drifted to a whole nother place. And we begin to move away from relationships and, and then away from the Lord. And the drift begins within. The passage says the, the drift begins in our hearts. And so we need somebody in our lives. The drift begins within, so we need somebody in. We need somebody in our, our lives. And also, when we surrender to the deceitfulness of our sins, then our hearts begin to harden. And that's when people begin to fall away. Someone needs access, not to look for things, but to know you well enough to see when you're drifting. The best defense against deceitfulness of sin is we. I know it's bad grammar, but the best defense against the deceitfulness of sin is us. Brothers and sisters, the body of Christ, people caring for each other, people who are in relationship with each other. If you're drifting, you're not thinking about leaving the faith. It might feel like a small thing. It might feel like, uh, you know what, I'm just, I'm not even aware of the fact that I've been drifting, uh, and you're not evaluating it. But if you don't pay attention to the small things, you could lose everything. And in, in what I do, I've seen it so many times. I, I've seen families that, that somebody wasn't paying attention to the small things in their relationships and, and all of a sudden the drift has been going on and they find themselves in this horrible crisis and this tragedy in this family and they're not sure how they got there but one of the people in, in, in the middle of this has hardened their hearts now and it looks beyond repair and we just have to ask the Lord for a miracle because the drift has been going for so long and now we find ourselves in crisis. And and we kind of wonder, how did this happen? I never thought I would be there. But this is our life, you guys. And and this is a pretty strong passage and and you know I love you, so I'm just sharing with you what the scripture tells us to be aware in case we, we can drift. And the end result of that is not, it's not healthy. So here's a question. What are you telling yourselves these days? Most of us will never uh, tell other people what we tell ourselves, right? Because they would, if somebody knew us and knew what we were really thinking, they would say, you're out of your mind. Or they would say, stop that. That's not going to be, that's not going to get you where you want to be. They would challenge us with it. And so it's easier just not to tell people. It's not to share that with folks because we, we don't really want to get challenged. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be called out, any of those things. And so we just decide not to share, not to talk about it. 
and we continue to go on, we continue to drift. What are you telling yourselves these days? Because somewhere inside of us, we all know that those things don't make sense and that if our friends knew, they would challenge us on it. They'd call us on it. Here's what Hebrews 3, 14 and 15 say. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Here's what he says in the beginning. For we have come to share, for we have come, uh, to share in Christ, and that's us. We share in Christ. We have Christ in us. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you have Christ in you, and that means that we're brothers and sisters. That means that we're connected. And so he says, if you're connected through Christ, if you share in that together, then he said, hold, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. What's the goal here? He's saying, remember when you first came to know Christ? Remember when you first made a commitment to follow Jesus? Remember how excited you were? Remember when you were so passionate about Christ and you wanted to share it with your family, you wanted to share him with your friends, you wanted to you talk about him all the time, you couldn't read the scripture enough, you, you, were, you were so passionate about what was going on in your heart, you were so excited about what God was doing in your life. And he said, remember that? He says, remind each other about that. Remind each other about what it was like when you came to know Christ. Remind each other what it was like. Think about the most, the time in your life that you were the most passionate about your faith. And he said, I want you, I want you to remind each other about that and then hold that firm. Encourage each other to hold that firm don't let that go. Be reminded of who Christ is in your life. Be reminded of that time that you were the most passionate, the most challenged, the most encouraged by your relationship with Christ and hold that. Help each other. Hold that firm. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. Today, not tomorrow, not on your to-do list, but today, if you hear his voice. And here's the truth for us, that, that this is God's word. This is one of the primary ways that we hear his voice. And he's saying today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Open yourself up to what God wants you to know, what God wants to do in your life. He challenges us, and we all need somebody seeing about us. We all need somebody appealing to us, to urging us, encouraging us. We all need to be in relationships that are, that are, that are strong enough, that are close enough, that if we start to drift, somebody will notice. And so here's what we believe. We believe that, there's a, that we love being here, we love worshiping together. Uh, we love this, but we also have this conviction that, that most of us, probably all of us, grow more and learn more in circles than we do in rows. That, that when we're in rows, we're shoulder to shoulder, but when we're in a circle, we're face to face. And when we begin talking to each other, when we begin to open up our lives to each other, when we begin sharing with each other, when we've been listening to God's word together, that we grow more. 
and we grow together. And we have an opportunity to live that life that Christ challenges us to live. And so we try to, we try to encourage everybody to get into a small group. And we try to encourage everybody to, to build those kinds of relationships into your life so that people know you well enough. You know, one thing that I love about small groups is that when people come to church, they say, oh, you know what, I've got friends that I'm looking forward to seeing now that we've saw, we saw each other on Tuesday night and now we're looking forward to see each other on Sunday and we have this relationship that's blossoming in, in our lives. We have this intimacy that's growing. We have this accountability that's beginning to happen. And, and let me just say that if you're in a small group, it's not automatic that those things will happen, that you have to take it seriously and you gotta work at it and it takes time. It takes commitment to do all those things. You know, I always, I always uh, we send out these questions, study questions for small groups a lot and, and uh, you know, I might say something in the beginning of them, uh, what was your favorite part of the Olympics or something? Um, that's just sort of to kind of get conversation going. It's not intended to be the sole part of your small group, you know, um, but it's how do you apply the scripture uh, that you've been reading? How do you apply what you heard in the sermon on Sunday? How, how do we flesh that out in, in our lives? What are we gonna do with that? That's the idea that we challenge each other, we encourage each other uh, to grow together. We need people in our lives. We need people who know us well enough to speak into our lives, to pour into us. Here's what 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you're doing. Apparently, the church in Thessalonica was doing pretty good at this, but the Apostle Paul says, I want you to encourage each other. I want you to, uh, I want you to build one another up. I, I, don't, I don't want you just to show up and have a meeting, but I want you to think about how am I going to encourage my friends tonight? How are we going to build each other up in Christ? How are we going to leave here uh, more in love with Christ and more in love with each other than when we came? What's it going to look like? What's it going to happen tonight while we're together in our group? Encourage each other, build one another up. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So when the brothers and sisters in Christ gather, uh, the goal is to let the word of Christ dwell in us, teaching and admonishing, encouraging, exhorting one another in all wisdom. You know what that means? That means that I'm not just sharing with you things to impress you with how well I know the Bible. But I've been listening to you, I've been praying for you, I've been, I've been wrestling with the passages with my own life and I'm just sharing with you what the Lord's taught me. I'm trying to build you up and encourage you. It's not about me, but it's about pouring into you. And, and so often when we're talking with other people, we're so focused on getting the right answer at the end of the conversation that we forget what people are actually talking about or forget what people are actually asking or what's really going on. And he's saying the goal is to encourage each other, to build each other up. Acts 14.22 says this, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God, that here's what we know together, that we know that hard things happen in life, but when we go through hard, hard things, who is around us, who's standing with us, who's walking with us, uh, those people that we have the tightest relationships with, the people that have the most significant relationships are the people around us. 
And so you know what happens is so, um, one of the great things I, I, I love is that so often I'll find out about something that's happened to someone in the church and by the time we can even respond as a staff, their small group is already taking care of them. That stuff's already begun to happen. Healing's already started to take place. Food's already been brought over. All of those things have started to happen because they're in that com- kind of community encouraging each other, blessing each other. Hebrews 10.25 says this, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me just say two things about this. Um, one is uh, we, we need to be together. We need to be together on Sundays, and then we need to be together with people that we're building relationships with. Um, but to, to, to not do that just sort of guarantees that somewhere along the way we're, we're gonna drift. To, to say I can do this by myself is a, a bit of arrogance or naivety uh, that isn't gonna work in your life. But we need each other, we need encouragement, we need the body of Christ, we need our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And on a side note, uh, if, if you're um, going away to school, if you're starting college, um, find those people first. Make sure whatever you do that you get into a small group, you get into a group of people who, uh, who love Christ and who are gonna challenge you and encourage you in your relationship with Christ. I love you guys. That's just free, okay? Seriously, I just, just came to me when I looked back there, okay. So this is why we want you to be connected. This is why, yes, all of you guys, this is why we want you to be connected. This is why we want to be in relationships. This is why we encourage people to be in small groups. Because we, we don't want to get a phone call that says there was an explosion, there was a, there's a, chaos, there's disaster in somebody's home, there's somebody's life has gotten destroyed, Some, there's somebody's heart has gotten hardened, but we want to be part of growing in Christ together, not drifting. We want to be swimming upstream together, helping each other. You know, people ask me, often on Sunday mornings, in fact, a couple of funny guys did right after the first service, uh, how you doing? People ask me out Sunday mornings, and, and honestly, um, I don't always know. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I don't know if this has happened to you, but people say, how are you doing? And I, I'm not really sure at the moment. I'm, I'm, I don't really have a good answer, you know. Sometimes I'll say something really dumb like, yeah, well, I'm above ground, or my eyes are open, I'm up, you know, whatever. Uh, and, then after, and then sometime that afternoon, I think, why did you say that? That was so lame, you know, you don't do that. But people ask me, and I really, I don't know, uh, what should I have said? And, and um, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but it can be hard to share on the spot. And, and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't ask each other. Um, but my point is that it also points out the, the need that, that we need to have some people that we're doing life with, some people that, that uh, w- when they ask us our first our response is to be honest. Our first response is to, is to say how we're doing and to share uh, with them and that they're around us long enough that they can, they can say to us, um, uh, you know, hey, something's happening. Tell me what's going on in your life. Tell me what's happening on the inside of you. 
I have a buddy that um, called me one day. He's, we were in a small group together in California for 17 years, and, and uh, I had just gotten a diagnosis that yeah, I had cancer, and, and it just was a freak thing that everybody was out of town, Jenna was out of town, everybody was gone. I get this phone call uh, from the doctor, and uh, the next, next thing I know, my phone's ringing, I pick it up, and this is a buddy of mine in California, and, uh, and, and he says, how you doing? Dumb, you know, I, oh, pretty good, thanks, you know, doing all right. And he stops me and he says, no, how you really doing? How you really doing? He'd never asked me that before in our friendship, 17 years being really close friends, and, but he's one of those guys in my life that I can't lie to, um, or at least really try hard not to. Or, and, um, and he stopped me cold and he said, no, how you really doing? Now I got all choked up. I said, well, actually, I'm not having a great day. And I thought, wow, you know, just to have somebody that just picked up the phone because all of a sudden he thought, I need to call Larry. I need to check in with him. And then to take my dumb answer and not let it sit, but to say, no, stop, man. How are you really doing? That just gave life to me. It gave hope to me. And then he, he prayed for me on the phone. And, and, you know, my first thought is always, wait, this is what I'm supposed to do with people. And my second thought is, Larry, don't be an idiot. Let them receive this, man. Let somebody pray for you. Let somebody care for you and pour into your life. And, and he did that that day. And uh, he's a dear friend, will be forever. But he knew enough about me not to just take that answer but he pushed me a little bit to get underneath all of that stuff in my life. You know, I don't want to ever find myself somewhere that I never thought I would be and then ask myself, how did I get here? Whoa, I just took off this morning and started driving and I don't even know how I got to this place, but I'm but this is not right, this is horrible, and, and to not have anybody in my life that's calling me, that's challenging me, that's encouraging me, that's pushing me, I, I just don't want that to happen in my life, and I don't want that to happen for any of you. We need people in our lives who are pouring into us just as we need to be pouring into others. So I have two questions. Uh, two questions are, what are you, what have you been thinking about? What are you thinking about these days? And, and the second question is, who knows about it? I'm gonna pray and then I'll ask those questions one more time and the band's gonna come up and play a little music just to give us a couple of minutes to sort of ask those questions to ourselves. Let me pray for us first. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us so much, Lord, that you speak the truth into our lives and. And Lord, that you challenge us and thank you, Lord, that you created us to be in relationship, that we're brothers and sisters and you intend for us, Lord, to be involved in each other's lives and you've built that into your body and we are grateful today. So we just simply ask, Lord, that, that whatever would keep us from doing that, Lord, that you would, you would speak to us, encourage us, draw us to people, Lord. Um, Lord, that you would work in our hearts. Lord, because none of us want to drift away from you. Lord, we give you praise, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.